Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. So you're thinking about starting a business, or maybe you have one now when you're looking for investors. You're enthusiastic. After all, who wouldn't want to buy your product? And it's a billion-dollar market. All you need is just one half of 1%, and boom, you sell, you're on the beach, drinking margaritas, enjoying life, having the waves lap up against your feet. But the journey from idea to MVP to launch to growth is a very long road, and one that's not a straight one, with potentially ashes of cash in your wake. I like that phrase, ashes of cash. The road to success is a dangerous one. Recent statistics show that only 53% of startups will make it to year five, 90% of startups fail, and 10% of those do so in the first year. As they say in The Wizard of Oz, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. But today we're going to be talking to the woman behind, or actually in front of the curtain, Zandra Lukowski. Zandra is the founder and CEO of OC Angel Investors. It is a membership-based, woman-focused angel investment group. It focuses on and is driven by executives and entrepreneurs with diverse and successful backgrounds to shed some light on the world of investing. But before we begin our conversations, let me take a quick break. My company, The Ponzi Group, provides consulting, interim, and fractional marketing and leadership services with a focus on the strategic and analytical side of marketing. We take a holistic approach to driving business growth. Consider us your marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, the competition, and the marketplace to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. And, much like a general contractor, we partner with internal teams or carefully selected vetted individuals and organizations to execute the strategies and plans, as well as provide oversight and management to ensure we stay on brand and plan. To learn more about our services, visit theponzigroup.com. Joining me is Zandra Lukowski, founder and CEO of OC Angel Investors, to explore the world of investing, what investors look for when they invest, and what companies seeking investment needs to do. Zandra, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Angelo. Yeah, I'm excited about this. But first of all, I want to congratulate you in digging into your background and in, in 2019, you were included in the Orange County Business Journal OC 500 Directory of Influence uh, for Innovation. In February of this year, you were nominated to the Orange County Business Journal Women in Business Awards. And in March of this year, I'm not sure, I, I'm surprised they were still doing business, but it's okay. In March of this year, you were nominated as a uh, Woman of Influence uh, Awards and the finalists in the Game Changer Award. That's fantastic. Yes, I'm, thank you. I, yeah. I was humbled by by the nominations or, or the recognition. What I do with OC Angel Investors is really a passion project for me. Uh, you couldn't stop me because I've been blessed in my life, and this is my give back to women that want to learn about angel investing. So that was that was definitely a surprise. All those three nominations. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's fantastic, and and. Um, in the two this year, I mean, I, again, it's, you know, with this, it's early in the year, but, you know, COVID nonetheless, as we got into March and, and the world changed a little bit, but but that's okay. 
But I want to ask you a question later on about how COVID maybe has influenced the kinds of businesses that you look at or, and those kinds of things. But before we get started, why don't you take a few minutes to, to talk about your investment group and all the other things that you do to, to win all these awards, frankly. <laughs> well, I started OC Angel Investors in January 2017. I realized that there were um, many women just like myself who wanted to learn about angel investing and they wanted to see companies that they would understand and they wanted to be educated on how to be an angel investor. And so there's many groups here in Southern California that are, you know, the angel investing groups and I'm part of most of them. They're wonderful, but the deal flow that we see in those groups uh, is usually focused on the brain trust in that group. So we have very diverse backgrounds with some of these angel members. And I wasn't seeing a group that was really catering to what women, what we understand and our background, what we could get passionate about. Because when you invest in a company, you've got to be passionate about the problem it's solving. So I started OC Angels to kind of bridge that gap. We meet monthly. We started with eight members in 2017. We now have 45 members as of July this this year. And in fact, we brought 10 new members on after COVID. And what we do is we meet monthly. Uh, we have two companies pitched to us. But before we have the companies pitch, I believe it's very important that my members understand what's going on in, in the economy. It's, it is going to affect their investments, the, the portfolio companies have invested in or the ones they're looking to invest in. So one of our members gives us an economic report, 10 minutes. And then we have a speaker come, come speak to us about something that is about startup. It could be innovation. It could be something regarding IP, how to do due diligence, uh, sectors that are emerging, digital healthcare trends. We had a speaker speak to us about that in June. AI, we're going to have a speaker speak to us in, in October about AI. Just a little nugget of information. Everyone's busy. We can't absorb a lot of information. But I find, I find these speakers are very powerful and our members walk away going, wow, I didn't even I, could, I didn't even think that was a thing. And I'm so glad that we had a speaker speak to us and kind of basically explain it to us. And then we have two companies pitched to us a la Shark Tank. They have 15 minutes and that includes Q&A. And if we have five or more members that are interested in looking doing a deep, deeper dive, we will do a group due diligence and we basically talk to the company again go through all of the questions that we have. And then we decide if we're going to, we, if we will make an investment, we are not a fund. So all of our members invest directly with the company. That's okay. kind of how we work. All right. Well, that's very cool. I mean, so there's a lot of education that goes on there. I mean, I commend you with that too, because it's, it's, I, I think it, we've talked earlier in a previous conversation. I mean, I've been to several pitch fests and things like that and, and watching all this kind of go on, and to your point, a lot of them are funds, a lot of them are individual investors, but there's certainly an education aspect to it and really understanding what it means. It's it's like when I, I, I'm a fractional CMO, so when I'm brought in, I mean, I'm digging into the market. I, I play in the strategic and analytical side of marketing, so I, I want to do research. I want to dig into the marketplace. I want to talk to customers and prospects. I need to know all these things about the competition or, or I can't really consult about how to grow their business. And so that kind of due diligence, I mean, really comes into play, I think, when when you guys are looking at an initial company, um, as opposed to, hey, it's a billion dollar market. All I need is one half of one percent and and we're good to go. Right. <laughs> How are you gonna right. get that, much, right? much more to it for sure, for sure. We have a seven point criteria 
that each company needs to meet before I take a deeper dive to see if their opportunity is a good fit for our group or might be of interest to our group. And that's, that's basically my personal investment, angel investment thesis that we're using for the group. And that comes from my successes and my failures. And we look at seed and bridge to a rounds. The company has to have traction, a go-to market strategy, proven go-to market strategy. They have to have a lead investor that we know, a, a venture group or an angel group or an angel. They have to have at least one year of capital in the bank to support the current burn rate. If they if they're if they're constantly you know fundraising, they really get take their their eye off the ball of running the company and innovating the company. So that's very important to us. A high barrier to entry differentiator. They have to show how they measure traction and how they're managing churn. There's many things we look at. And, and we're finding some great companies, some great innovation out there. This year, every year I select a topic to study or a sector to study that has to do with startup. And this year it was esports, e-gaming and digital healthcare trends. And we, we picked those, those sectors prior to COVID. And those sectors are just blowing up now. They're just doing such, such great innovation in those sectors right now, and we need them so badly. We funded two companies so far this year, which is doesn't sound like a lot, but all of our members are brand new to angel investing. And the fact that they're excited about the deal flow we're seeing, and these are companies that pitched to us in May and June after COVID really hit. Okay. Uh, so I'm excited to see that, that the innovation is still out there. We have some great companies that meet all the metrics that we like to look at coming to us. So it, it's an exciting time to be an angel investor. When you when when you identify a company or somebody comes to you and there's of interest, what is like a, the typical process? I mean, this doesn't happen overnight. So is this typically a one month, a two month, a three month, and the kind of the due diligence that you're doing with this organization? Well, so because we have a lead angel investor in the deal, I can just pick up the phone, grab an email, and just just talk to them about what they did in due diligence. Did they look at the financials, background checks? That saves a lot of time for us. So that is already done before they even pitch to us. That's one of the criteria. We, I have to know there has to be a lead angel that we that we know or I know. So that helps take the time off. So we try to make a decision in two weeks. We know that their time is precious, our time is precious. So when we do conduct a group due diligence, I coach all of my members through it. I give them like a, like a grid, like a, a like a checkpoint of, of questions to ask, things to be thinking about, and going off and going to their network as well because it might be a sector where you know I have a friend that works in this sector. I'm going to ask them about this this opportunity and, and get their feedback. A little bit of that's done, but we try to get an answer to the company within two weeks. Just just you know, close it up really really quickly. Because we don't want you know anything lagging, we don't want to waste their time. And if someone wants to make an investment, they make the investment directly with the company. Okay, so uh, and I love your criteria, kind of like a screening criteria. If you if, if you can't meet this uh, seven point screener, you're not. I do this in research, right? If you can't get through the screener, you're not in the study. And so it's very similar to what you're doing. So, but when you let's say you're going to move forward. And they meet your criteria. Now you're going to dig a little deeper. What are some of the, the key things that you look for and your group looks for? Um, and again, to your point, they've already got an angel investor. They're already out g- generating revenue. But what are some of the points that that are triggers for you of, of importance or red flags? Well, number one, the they really need to understand their customer 
and the cost of acquiring that customer. There's many factors that can go into it depending on the on, on what what they're selling. If they're selling software, if they're selling a, 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 a product. So that is very important when you're speaking to the to the CEO or the founder, the person running the company. They need to really be able to explain to that to me how are you finding these customers and is that very costly and what's the process of acquiring them. That's one big piece. The other piece is how are you retaining them? These, you know, this, this is this is very important because we want to see companies that are in recurring revenue and growing their recurring revenue, really understanding your costs and your financials because things change, things pivot. Uh, if you need to do, you know, if you see that there's other lines of business out there that might be a little bit more profitable for a lot less dollars, you know, you're already looking at that. These are some of the really important things to really understand. Make sure that the CEO can can has a you know tight grip on that. And also, how are they working as a team? Typically, there's only two or three or four long um, uh, full time people at this stage in the game with the company. What is the culture that they are creating with this company? What is how are they uh, communicating with with each other and then with the investors? That's a huge thing. Some of my more successful portfolio companies communicate with us monthly. We get monthly uh, key performance indicators, KPI reports that are very, very succinct. They usually talk about three things that are going great, three things they're working on, and three things they need help with. I like that because we don't always know what's going on. And if you have a great depth of strategic investors, you need to reach out to us when you need help or you, or you need to reach out to us if you need introduction to someone. We have a vested interest in making sure you're successful and we have a lot of networks. So that is another uh, another question I ask my angel counterparts who have already invested, how are they communicating? Are they communicating in a succinct way, in a regular way? Have they pivoted? How did that work out? Okay. You, you mentioned the word culture. Now, getting a communique once a month doesn't is hard to figure out what the culture of the organization is. So do you to really understand the culture and how they communicate internally? Do you, do you actually go to there and hang out at the uh, offices or put people in there to, you know, kind of experience that? Yeah. You know, in the, before COVID, not necessarily because, uh, you know, I, I do, that's not a real important thing to me to, to visit the, the site unless it's, you know, it, you know, I have done that before. It's more of the communication piece of it. And then sometimes you're speaking to counterparts within the company and you can tell pretty quickly if everyone's on the same page. So I don't think it's so important to necessarily visit them at their workplace. Of course, you should do that. That'd be great. We really don't want them to have a workplace unless it's that type of company. Yeah. We'd rather yeah, have exactly. them have it, have it, you know, we don't, we don't need to rent a space until we really need to rent a space. Let's have that virtual as much as possible to keep costs down. So that's not as important as really speaking to the, the founder and the counterparts. You can tell pretty quickly if they're communicating and if things are going well. Okay. When you, when you, um, and I, I have some standard questions I always ask. I'm going to come back to them because we're, we're sure. in the middle of all this. But when you when you go into investing, do you, have you always defined the end game for you and your team, for your investors? Or when you go in, we see this, you're going to sell in three years or five years, or how are you going to recoup your money? I mean, I would assume there's a, it isn't just some, some endless investment and we see in 20 years, right? So there's Correct. What's, kind of that, what's kind of that criteria that you look for in an organization? Yeah, we want to look, you know, so that's part of the due diligence and part of the reason why they're, they're presenting to us is because we understand that there's an acquisition path. Typically, we'd like to look at deals that are going to be acquired. 
not necessarily going IPO, but being acquired. So that's part of the pitch deck is here's a like type of company in the similar sector. This is who acquired them. So we can really get an understanding of what the M&A appetite is for the solution that they're bringing to market and how far along are they with the traction? Because that's what's going to um, interest a potential acquirer is, you know, they're, they're first to market. Maybe they have something that's a differentiator. It's really, really amazing. They've got IP behind it. Maybe they're first to market, but there's got to be something there that's of interest to a potential acquirer two to three to seven years down the line, depending on what the opportunity, what, what, what problem they're solving. So we always look at that. That's part of the due diligence. That's part of the pitch deck. We need to see that in the pitch deck. Once we get a feel for that, then we do, of course, a deeper dive and we really see what the team is doing, how they're growing, how they're doing, how they're, how they're, you know, do, tr tracking with their traction. And then we know that they've already, maybe we can even make introductions to potential acquirers. So that's always first and foremost, you know, on our minds when we look at making an investment. But it's more than that. It's about being passionate about the problem they're solving. Because let's face it, most, most, most startups will fail. You can have the most vetted idea, the most vetted deal, lots of VCs are in and angels are in and they can still fail. So that's why you want to seed your investment amongst a lot of smaller, you know, smaller deals that like come into the seed stage, maybe have five or six or seven or whatever your risk tolerances, portfolio, you know, companies in your portfolio, or go into a fund that you admire. You admire, admire the fund manager. That's a great way to diversify your investment dollars as well. So I'm in two funds. I'm in the Cove Fund, which is a venture capital fund based at the UCI Cove, and I'm in the Titan Fund at a Cal State Fullerton. I enjoy those groups. They're diversifying the portfolio companies that I'm investing in, and I also directly invest. So this is, these are different ways that you can get involved as an angel investor. So it's, it's of course, we want to look at the opportunity and, and, and the opportunity to make money on our money, but also we want to look at, we want to be a, a part of something that's being built and you know, creating jobs and creating wealth in the community. That's another reason why we do it. Okay. You know, um, I was fortunate enough to, to grow my uh, advertising firm and, and sell it. Um, you know, a lot of people start talking about uh, acquisition and you plan it from day one. I didn't. I, who, I never thought anybody would buy my firm, but they did. And it happened very quickly. And, you know, looking back, it was like, man, I, I think I left money on the table, those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, they told us something that I, I found really interesting is like, we don't care about your accounts. You could lose them all tomorrow. I don't care. What we want is you and your partners because you guys did all this and we want you to do it again for us. So I guess my question leads to then, and we did, by the way, and my question <laughs> leads to... Um, when you're evaluating the market, is there a need for the product? Does it solving an issue in the marketplace? How important though, and does the equation of the founders, the people that are there running it weigh into your decision? Great product, That's great market opportunity, but man, these people are, you know, not going to, yeah. they couldn't market yeah, that, their way out of the paper bag. There's <laughs> three things we look at that are very important. It's the problem they're solving, the total addressable market and the people solving it comes down people, you know, we could have the greatest solution, great market, but if the people, we just, it's that gut feeling like, you know, they're not communicating very well and I think they're hiding something from me, we're out. And you just, you know, you, you, you just, you get, you have this sense, you get a feel for a person when you're going through due diligence, when you meet, initially meet them, that this is a person I, I like, and this is a person that's passionate and really knowledgeable about the problem they're solving and 
and they're doing the right things to get that problem solved with their company, you can tell that pretty quickly. And, you know, rumors spread, well, not rumors, but if you pitch to a group in Southern California or Northern California now for me, because I'm so I'm connected with many groups, the word will get out if that pitch went well, or if it's like, you know, they were too early or that CEO, there's something about that person that we're, we're scratching our head. We still have questions. They didn't answer our questions. That can be really, really deadly because word gets out pretty quickly. Our, a lot of angel groups talk to each other. We're part of Angel Syndication Network, which is about 50 plus angel groups nationwide. We have uh, monthly screenings with those groups. So there's, there's a lot of reach there. Yeah. The, the people running the company, it's very important. I mean, that's just, you're, you're investing in people. Yeah. So this was years back. I, I was brought in to develop uh, marketing plans for a, a startup. And they were in the software business. And it was really supply chains. And as we got closer to, and, and these guys were a bunch of Lockheed engineers, had been working on it. And every time they got close, they decided a new feature. So it was just this constant wheel there, you know, on the hamster on the wheel. They could never actually get it done. So I was brought in to help move it along. And so we finally got to the point where they were ready to go stand in front of some investors. And the CEO one day shows up at the meeting and he's got, this investor with him and and we're talking and, and it turns out to be he's going to be one of the members in the group that we're pitching to. And all of a sudden he CEO shows up and says he wants to be part of the company now and he wants to, you know, you know, be tied into us before we go pitch. And the CEO told him no. Now, the CEO still worked for Lockheed. There was technically only one full-time person. And, and the rest of us were consultants, including the CEO who is working for Lockheed. So we walked in. It actually was a, a terrific product. And he stood up and he started his pitch. And I was sitting on the side. And that person says, let me ask you a question. Here's your cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get down. Um, he goes, let me ask you a question. Did you, you work for Lockheed, right? Yes. Did you quit Lockheed and working in this company full time? No. Why? Oh, I, I have a family. So let me get this straight. You want me to invest my money in a business you don't believe in enough to quit. And the thing crumbled from there. Everybody went, nope, not in, not in, not in. And and so that's why I, I just saw that, you know, the people and their their commitment to what they're doing, like in any business, right? You're I, I was talking to somebody earlier today. I, you know, the side hustles, right? Yeah, I work for yes, a company, yeah. but, I, but I'm building a marketing firm on the side. Well, no, you're not. You've got a, got a, uh, you've got a, uh, you know, a hobby. Right, right, right. And that's, you have to be a key, a key stakeholder. You have to be an investor in the company. You have to be running the company with like little to no salary. I mean, you know, why would I invest if you haven't invested? Your, your, your time, no, there's just no way that that's going to get funded. And angels, you know, that, Savvy angels will see that immediately. Like, nope, yeah. I'm not even talk to you. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, it, I, I I see it all the time that uh, when I deal with folks and they're saying, "Yeah, I got a company, but you can't talk to me until after six because I have another job." And, uh, well, then no. you don't really have a company. Sorry. No. What do you think is the most misunderstood when, about investing? That you're going to make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> like it's angel investing because you see all these, you know, one hit wonders of people that become, you know, gazillionaires on their startup. And it's that's just not the reality. If you look at the numbers, it's so it's just the risk is so high. That's why I teach my members, you know, they have to have their their life set. This is money they can burn in a trash can. The most vetted thing can fail. 
So this has to be disposable income. And if you get a hit, great. You can, you know, maybe invest in 10 companies. They all fail. You get two, or most of them fail. You get two or three hits. That'll, that'll pay off all of the investment you, you've already invested and give you some more dry powder to work. That's what we, how you have to look at it as an angel investor. Why do we do it? Because we love being a part of a success story or potentially a part of a success story. Sure. We have the risk appetite. We have the strategic connection. I'm only going to invest in a company that I know I can, I, number one, I'm passionate about the problem they're solving, passionate about the team. And if I can help strategically with introduction, with someone I know, that's a bonus. And again, that comes back to the communication piece. You need to let me know, you know, how I can help you. For example, one of my companies in my portfolio had to pivot. They were doing, they were doing a, a group travel app. And of course, after COVID, there's no group travel. That's like down the road two years, three years from now. But the platform could support many other things. So she went back. And she, and she had a year of runway, so she, she had plenty of money in the bank. And she really started setting a pivot uh, using Slack, Slack tools and things like mm -hmm. that. She was already doing that anyway because the customers had been asking for that. And within two months, she was able to rebrand, pivot, and start beta testing the new product. It's pretty exciting. And, and they are going to pitch to us in October. So you know, here's a wonderful example of a CEO that kept us monthly, apprised of everything going on monthly. And she didn't ask for money. She asked for help. She goes, I need strategic connection to these types of people because I want to get the beta in front of them and get their feedback. So she just moved on a dime. That's a wonderful, hopefully going to be a wonderful success story with her pivot. That's what we like to see in, in you know, in, in, in teams. That, that's perfect. And, and actually, my next thing I was going to ask was tell me a success story. So give me another success story because, because you know, we're storytellers. So let's, let's tell me a story about sure. another one that, that, was successful and why, but then I want one that wasn't and why. Okay. Okay. Well, um, another one, and again, these are companies that are in my current portfolio that are, are growing and they have uh, wonderful traction. Another company is called Ready Set Food and the founders are doctors and they realize that childhood allergies are not only deadly, they're just costly to companies and to families. And they came up with a formulation to introduce the allergen to the infant at one and a half months old. And they, and it's, 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 a, it's a powder that they put in the formula and they're introduced in micro doses. So they never get the allergy. We're talking peanut <sighs> allergies, eggs, shrimp, you know, egg, all the ones that are just really deadly. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a wonderful product. They pitched to us last June and, um, then they were on shark tank in January, which was very exciting. Uh, and they got, uh, um, investment from Mark Cuban and I believe one other angel, Mark Cuban subsequently put more money in because he, he has kids, his kids have allergies and they are just going to the races. So they've closed the round and they're going to probably do a series a in the spring. And I'm going to be looking hard at that one as well. But the team is, is wonderful. Daniel Zlikowski, who is the CEO, passionate, understands this is a problem in his life. And they are going to the races. They, they're really working on the marketing piece of it, getting it into everyone's hands. You can get it on Amazon. I'm giving it to all my new mommy friends. Corporations love it. Uh, companies are buying it and giving it to free, for free to their employees because if they, you know, if they if they stop the allergies, then they're not going to have that medical cost, you know, for mm -hmm. their insurance. So it, it's just a win-win all the way around. Great, wonderful success story. Um, one that didn't do so well was <laughs> it was actually. Um, this one, you know, and I, I need to do a primer one day with, with my group, you know, give them three examples <laughs> of companies. Um, this, but this company, it's an Orange County based company. The person that the, the CEO had already 
uh, built and sold a company and was really known in the industry for uh, for what they did. So when I was introduced to them back in 2016, 2017, I was intrigued. The product wasn't unique, but the way that they were presenting it, marketing it was. And, you know, we felt the early investors felt, well, this person has a track record. They've got the connection in the industry. They can get the sales channels open very quickly because of who they are. Let's invest. Well, very soon on, we realized that this person was out of their depth. They didn't really understand how to run a startup from soup to nuts. Their first company grew over 11 years with a minimal one. She had one little angel investor in the very beginning. It was a person that believed in them and they grew over 11 years or so. This company, they were trying to you know, really scale very quickly. And that's the one thing once we looked under the hood that, you know what, we believe in the, in the story, we believe in the product, we believe in the team. However, the team is not really co- coming forth with, with financial information, basically. And I was on the board of that company. And very soon I was asking questions. I wanted to help them with their capital raise. I wanted to help them with their costs. I wasn't getting the answers I wanted, <laughs> I needed, and I had to pull myself off the board. So it was unfortunate. And then, and then I got phone calls from investors that were early on the cap table that had no business investing. They weren't even angels. They invested in this person because of the relationship they had with this person. And it was very sad because they'd call me and they just, well, I have no recourse. I'm a single mom. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I, you know, I'm just so sorry. There's nothing you can do. It's a startup. And most of them fail. You have to be able to burn this money in a trash can. It has to be money that's disposable. You cannot invest. And it was just, it was really, really sad. So that's the way you fail unsuccessfully. I've also had some successful failures. You know, there's, there's two coins. You can success, you can fail successfully or you can fail horribly. <laughs> and the ones that fail horribly, the word will get out and the reputation will get out in the angel community that these are, you know, this is just, you know, stay away from this person if they ever come back to you with an idea. The ones that fail well, like uh, another company that I invested in, I, I, he actually started a new company. It was this young man. Um, the, the company came out of Chapman University. I was an early investor. It was really great. One of my angel colleagues came on board to help them grow the company, Marketing Guru. And it just, you know, they just ran out of money before they could really get that next gen product out. But it was a great opportunity. It, I, I don't regret being on the ride with them. And I, I talked to the CEO and I said, look, I know today is the worst day of your life. We're folding the company. You know, we all have to write it off. But I believe in you. I, I saw you through this. You're very young. You're going to learn from this. And then when you start your next company, you need to call me because I believe in who you are and, and, and you're going to pick up your, t- your marbles and your toys and you're going to go and start something else or maybe not. But let me know. And guess what? He reached out to me on LinkedIn a few weeks ago. He started a new company and he sent me some product. And I'm like, you know what? I'm placing another order because he knows he's been to the races. He's learned and he's gone. He, he's also garnered some other um, experience doing other things that are that are going to help him with his business. Well, I think that, you know, I, I, I think that having failed is such a great education. And it, maybe that should be your eighth criteria. <laughs> you have to have failed <laughs> yeah, well, before. <laughs> sure. Right. I, I was talking yes. to a young entrepreneur uh, yesterday out of out of Atlanta. Kids doing doing phenomenal. But it's kind of underlying is he wants to, he believes that people should fail their way to the top. And I thought that was an interesting phrase because it's true. I mean, my first company at age 23 failed within eight months, but that was the best education I, I oh, ever yeah. received. And seven years later, I did it again. And that one I was able to, to grow and sell. So, but people that don't 
just, you know, off to the races are successful. And then, and then something happens, you know, they're, de- I mean, from my perspective, they're devastated. They didn't understand what happened. But to me, if you, if you got some, you know, litter on the side of the road, roadkill, whatever you wanted, however you want to describe it. And I've got about four or five of those that just never got off the dime. And I actually have a, a, a safety deposit box. And I found this about a year or so ago. Uh, not the box, but the papers in the box. And I was like, what are all these envelopes? And I started opening them up. They were all my equity shares, my sweat equity shares oh. all these <laughs> over the years. It just never went anywhere. Yeah. But, but that was the gamble. I put in a lot of time and a lot of energy. I, the, the, the last one I did, I just ended the relationship uh, in in December after two and a half years. That's a really interesting story. I'll, I'll tell you over coffee sometime. But during the process, I, I dropped my fees and took 5% of the company. Right. And, and so I actually uh, met with one of the, one of the other owners today. And, you know, it's like, you know, I have a vested interest, a big vested interest yes. in you being successful, even though I'm not there day to day anymore. So, you know, make sure you include me in some of these things that you're doing. It was like, man, t- timing is great. I got a whole list of stuff I need you to, cause you, <laughs> cause you know it inside and out. I mean, I actually yes. helped build the software originally. I mean, you know, and working with different companies. So it, it's, it's really interesting. What are some of the of tips and tricks or do's and don'ts? You know, somebody approaches you or somebody's doing this. What are some of the, here are the things you need to do. Here are the things you don't need to do. Right. So well, number one is research. I can tell if they've researched the problem, really understand, you know, is there a market for this solution and who's going to pay for it? And how are you going to get in front of them? You know, so that's I, I know pretty quickly when I look at a pitch deck or I spe- a, a, an initial introduction, cold introduction, that that this thing has legs or not. So do your research, really understand. And you know, there might be some ideas out there. And I also advise you know entrepreneurs and startups that, and a lot of them, like one of my clients came to me and she wanted to start. She has kids that had hard problems sleeping, and she's a photographer, so she doesn't have any business background except a photographer, which is great, but it's not a startup background. And so she says, I want to build this prototype and I want to, you know, get licensing on this music and this stuff to, to and then I'm going to have this beautiful looking thing and you put it in the kid's room. And, and so help me put a business plan together and, and a budget. And I'm like, okay, I go, why would you want to build something? You know, that's going to be tens of thousands of dollars in getting an engineer to engineer the thing and then get someone to manufacture the, the prototype. And it's very costly to do a product like that. Amazon probably has a zillion iterations of this already. Why don't you white label it? She's like, what's that? And I go, well, let license out the, 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 the theory of it. What's that? Okay. So this is how I help these, you know, these entrepreneurs really understand how to build a business. So do your homework and actually, you know, take some business courses. You know, b- having an idea is one thing. Being able to run a company and build a culture and understand your financials and your metrics is another thing. And one of the other criteria we have we have to see in our, our seven-point criteria is the founder has to have built, scaled, and sold a company. If they haven't built, scaled, and sold a company, they will fail. Now, we understand a lot of people are young and new to this. So someone on your team has to have built, scaled, and sold a company because you don't know what you don't know. You need to have a healthy respect for the limitations you have. Everyone has limitations. I have limitations. You have limitations. There's only so much we know. So being radically open-minded and understanding what your limitations are and surrounding yourself with the right team is very important. So again, do your homework, understand how a business is run, and really align yourself with you know, people that, are, that, that have... Um, you know, you're great at finances, they're great at, at marketing, that have, 
traits and skills that you don't have. I want to go back and ask you a, a couple of questions. Sure. So when you think about continuing to invest and grow this 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 group, what, what keeps you up at night? Um, you know, because it's a unique thing that we do as angels, right? This we've we've come to a point in our life where we have this disposable income. So we can pick and choose who we want to talk to, who we want to look at, what companies we want to address. So for me, that you know, that is a passion play and 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 I want to be very respectful of the companies that I interact with. So so really serving my members, making sure I'm bringing them quality deals, quality information, doing as much due diligence on the front end as I can. Uh, they understand it and nothing's de-risked. I mean, it's very high risk. They understand that when they, when they do this type of investment. But for me, I just want to make sure that my members are engaged. When they w- walk away from a meeting that we've had, they just, they just go, wow, I just learned so much. I don't care if they write a check. That's not why they're part of our group is to write a check. They're part of our group to be educated, connected, and inspired about angel investing. That's it. And so, but with that, they're writing checks. So for me, it doesn't necessarily keep me up at night, but I, I, I work really hard to make sure that I'm bringing them quality speakers and quality deals that, and they're just learning and they just, they just walk away going, wow, I'm so part of this. I'm so happy. I'm part of this group. I learn something new every t- day. It may not be something I might invest in right now, but it's really given me food for thought. Like this is a great, this is a great uh, solution that they're bringing to market. So for me, that's, that's the most important thing is, is just keeping the quality going. It's not quantity, it's quality and keeping the inspiration and education going with my members. What is the best business advice you've ever given and or received if it's different? Well, again, um, you're replaceable. So when, <laughs> when uh, some advice I was given early on in my corporate career, I was working at Toshiba and we were doing long, long, long hours. I had this wonderful boss. And she'd already been to the races and she just wanted to find a mini her to, to, to groom and, and to do to do the work and doing it well. And that was me. And she was great. It was a very high pressure situation. And um, one day she could tell I was really stressed and because uh, I want to do a great job and I want to make sure everything's done. But I'm working with a bunch of engineers and they don't talk the same language I do. And they're not I'm not getting through to them and I'm not getting the information I need. And I'm sitting there exasperated. And, and she's, she walks into my, op, my cube and she sits down in the corner and she just starts laughing at me. And I'm like, what is this? What are you doing? Is this a sick thing? I don't know what are you doing. She said, you know, you're replaceable. And I said, excuse me? She goes, you're replaceable. I'm replaceable. The VP of this division is replaceable. And I said, okay, how is that helping me right now? She said, I just want you to take a step back and, and give it perspective. I when I hired you, I knew that you, you know, I was gonna you're gonna be great and I'm training you to do your job. I'm giving you all the tools to do your job. And in this particular instance, you're stressing out over something you've already finished the job. You've taken it to the level you can take it to. I've trained you how to do that well. You should just not be worried about it anymore. You've elevated it to me and I will get it taken care of. I've trained you well, but everyone is replaceable. So I want you to give a healthy, you know, just amount of respect to your stress level. You don't need to be stressed about this and you are replaceable. So understand that. And that actually cleared my mind. I was never stressed ever again in the job. This was in my mid to late twenties. I was never, ever stressed again because I realized she's right. As long as I have the tools to do my job, I know what is expected of me. I'm doing it all. I'm covering all bases. There's nothing more to stress about. I'm punting it to someone else to get it done. Mm-hmm. So that was great advice. It may sound counterintuitive. And I used that with my teams when I was managing people, 
you know, after that I had uh, teams of engineers and people that I managed, I needed, she taught me so much about making sure that you're number one, building a culture of inclusivity and communication. And, and, and I'm not talking about dossiers of information. When I got my, my weekly reports from my, from the people that worked for me, I just wanted one page, almost like a KPI. I, go, I don't need to know everything that's going on in your life. If you've got to elevate it to me, I've got the, the story. I know what I need to do next. Just give me your, you know, just let me see how you're tracking. Where do you need help? Um, so, so where I you know, can make connections for you, whatever's happening. So you've got to give people the tools to do their job. So, you know, that's another good piece of advice. And that, that, that happens with every company, small and large, building that culture, giving them the tools to do their job. But how do managers and how do people that are running company know that? How do they know to do that? That comes from experience. So if you, if you look at your journey and, and, and you can decide what part of your journey you want to use, if your journey was a book, what would the title be? Jeez, oh, um, <laughs> that's a good one. I haven't given that much thought because it's it. I actually, um, you know, I just think being radically open-minded has really, you know, the radically open-minded journey has really helped me. Um, um, not understanding my limitations in the beginning has helped me because when I was offered things. I, I thought, well, if, if they're offering it to me, I must be, you know, fit for the job. So, you know, something like that, you know, radically open-minded and not understanding the limitations <laughs> that, okay. that I, you know, that I had early on and, you know, that, and then, you know, tribe of mentors, you know, that's Tim Ferriss. I'm not going to um, <laughs> steal that from him, but tribe of mentors. I love that book that he wrote because he interviewed a lot of people in different industries. These types of questions you're asking me, uh, you know, some, just some, some experiences they had. So, you know, starting in corporate America and, you know, really going, I actually thrived in corporate America. A lot of people don't, but I was just, I guess, built for it. I'm, I'm egoless. I don't have an ego. I like to read people. I, I understand, you know, how I, I like to read people and I want to understand their language. Every person has a different way of communicating. So I learned that early on working at a, at a corporate Japanese company where I really didn't understand the Japanese culture of these engineers. We didn't, our communications sucked in the beginning because I didn't know how to ask them things and they didn't know how to respond. But the way we got through that was I started balancing their checkbooks because they're fresh here from Japan. And back in the late eighties, early nineties, they did all their banking, all their bills were paid through EDI. Like we do now electronically, you know, through B of A. But back then we were writing checks and putting them in an envelope and putting a stamp on it and mailing it to, to do our rent and our utilities. And they didn't know how to do that. So I taught them how to do that. I took them to Costco to buy furniture. That's how I built, because I was radically open-minded and I didn't understand my limitations. <laughs> so I thought, well, these are, these are practical things they need. They need help you know, uh, 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 with their checkbooks. They need help balancing their checkbooks. Okay, I can help them do that. I garnered the trust and then that opened the communication. So just little things like that, being open-minded. I'm always learning. I'm still learning. I, I love learning. There's so many things I don't know. And so as, as with experience, that's okay. I don't, I don't mind saying, I don't know that. I'm going to go find out though. I'll, I'm going to make a few phone calls and figure this out. I think younger people are like, we need to know. We, we come out of school. We need to know. We're, we're drilled. We have to have all this information and we have to be experienced. No, you don't. Yeah, you, yeah. How could you possibly? Well, so, the, but, but be, every day something changes. So you're constant. If you, if, you know, if you're not learning, was that I think somebody said it one time. If you're not learning, you're dying. Dying, but I think that was if you're not moving forward, you're dying. Whatever. <laughs> but but I think it's it's every day there's something new. I mean, it's it's a fire hose of information 
And in what you may not know today, you have to know tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's just so part of our, our daily lives now is just constant, constantly making sure that we're learning something new and, and reading and, and digesting. And so we, I, I agree with you on that. Let's, uh, well, I, but, yeah. no, I was just going to say, for example, trying to just get on the podcast today, you know, I was going to use Chrome, but we found out that Firefox worked better with my equipment. So I learned something there. There, there we go. Yeah. And so did I, and so did I, and we were going to be doing a sign language, uh, uh yes. conversation today. Anyway, I do need to bring this to a close. This is a fantastic okay. conversation. A lot of education in here, and, and I'm sure people are going to really benefit from it. So why don't we tell, or why don't we, why don't you tell the listeners how they can reach you and what's the best way, your website, your LinkedIn, yes. your emails, whatever you want to say. Yes, yes. It's Zandra Laskowski, which is X-A-N-D-R-A-L-A-S-K-O-W-S-K-I. They're going to see it on the podcast. You can just reach me through LinkedIn if you want. Um, my advisory website is www.zolos, which is X O L like Larry, A like Apple, S like Sam.net. And if you're interested in what we do at OC Angel Investors, you can go to www.oc, which is O S E A, Angel Investors with an S.com, and uh, drop us a line there and we'll be sure to connect. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And thank you for listening out there today and joining us at the cafe. Now, if your business needs a CMO or a senior level marketing person, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, connect with me to find out more about my fractional interim or consulting services. Visit theponzigroup.com to find out that information, or there's a variety of resources there, blogs, videos, eBooks, and certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. And lastly, please subscribe to this show. And if you're already a subscriber, please tell others about this so they can benefit from this great content like we heard today. You can find out more at thebusinessgrowthcafe.com or on any podcast platform you might listen to. Please join me next week at the Business Growth Cafe. And Zandra, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Angela. It was fun. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.